little girls. Y'all like y'all never played football before. These guys are nothing. You hear me? They please just like we do. Yo, they sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yes, I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay then, let's play. But that seen us too. That gives us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it up now. Let's go. What is going on? And welcome in Sons of Saturday Irish with Tyler Wojak and Luke Smith. We're taping this with just over 48 hours until kickoff in the game of the year. Number one, Clemson is coming into South Bend to take on number four, Notre Dame, and what will be the biggest game in Notre Dame Stadium in the past 15 years. We've been jacked up about this game for weeks. We're so damn close. I'm even more amped now after we had some Friday Night Lights flavor off the top. Luke, though, has already touched down in the bend, so what's the vibe around campus right now? For me, it's awesome, um, although I honestly don't know that you would really tell that there's a top five matchup in South Bend this weekend. That said, I didn't actually step foot on campus yet. I got here earlier this afternoon and spent most of the afternoon working my real job, but I uh, did walk around a little bit on the outskirts, saw a lot of mask signs and wear green signs. So uh, hopefully everybody's wearing their green masks in that stadium Saturday night, but it is beautiful. It's 70 degrees. Um, the foliage is in full bloom, and man, I can't wait to get to Saturday night. So you and I disagree on this about the weather. Like, I wanted 38 degrees, wind, a rain-snow mix, just yeah. your classic northern Indiana weather, because I think it plays a little bit more into Notre Dame's hand, at least with what they're trying to do. And, you know, when we were students, I felt like I would beg and plead for a warm day in the brutal winter. And, of course, the one time where I actually want the weather to be shitty, it's really nice. And you're on the other side. You're you're cool with this. Oh, I'm super cool with it because I, the historian that I am, started thinking back. And, of course, I was at that USC game 15 years ago. While we did lose the game, it's still probably the most iconic game during her lifetimes. And so I remember vividly, that was October 15th, Indian summer day, uh, like 75 degrees, late October. Similarly... Miami comes to town on a, what, 36-game win streak, 1988, also October 15th, 75 degrees that day. Uh, These big games just seem to have nice weather around them. And also, I wasn't going to mention this to you, but remember when the Cubs and Indians played in Game 7? There there was some pretty nice weather that day, too. So um, I like our chances with the weather. I mean, here's the thing. Half our dudes are from the south. Like, they don't want to play in the cold either. So, it's like, uh, the weather thing is a little bit overblown to me. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I just figured with a true freshman quarterback from California, we'd want a more classic day in South Bend uh, to try and rattle DJ Uyunglele. Got it. I'm not pronouncing his name. It's ukulele. <laughs> All right. Well, true freshman quarterback from California making his first road start, which, by the way, I don't really I don't really think the whole road start thing matters. There's only going to be 10,000 people in the crowd. True. Uh, we've been talking about it for weeks. Everyone has, really. So, Years? in your mind, like how? Yeah, really. It kind of been on my mind since the playoff semifinal. I mean, the, yeah. immediately after the semifinal, everyone sort of turned to Georgia. That obviously didn't work out, but it's way closer than people expected. I, the line in that was sixteen and a half. But let's set the stage here a little bit. Just how big is this game? You know, I'll say that the hype has certainly diminished, and I think some of that is due to the obvious absence of Trevor Lawrence. The COVID-19 pandemic limiting fan attendance and just kind of creating uncertainties surrounding the sport itself. That said, these games don't come around too often. Um, I mean, I was in third grade the last time Notre Dame 
played host to a number one team in the country. That's pretty remarkable. And I don't think that's any, you know, gash against our schedule the last 15 years. We played a lot of really darn good teams, but these games don't come along often. And all I know is that if I was in school, um, I wouldn't have gone to class all week. There's no way. Um, I would have just been <laughs> all week. Just yeah. Uh, taking a week off. Yeah. Okay, like, like I did for the Michigan. Actually, I did not do that for the Michigan game two years ago. I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, I mean, it, it doesn't get better than this. I, I, if I was a student right now, I'd probably be a brother just drinking all day. And listen, you have an opportunity to see your school knock off the number one team in the country at home, and you're one of 10,000 people in that stadium. That's a pretty damn cool opportunity. So outside of just the you know obvious opportunity for our team, it's a really cool spot for students who are in an otherwise kind of crappy situation here in South Bend during a pandemic. Yeah, that's a good point. It's been uh, it's been a rough semester and even the spring semester as well for the current students. And, you know, they were on the brink of not having a season at all. But, you know, if it's any consolation, they got one of the best games at Notre Dame Stadium in a real long time. Games like this don't often happen for Notre Dame. And when they do happen, they haven't performed very well. That much is known, well known across all college football. Notre Dame is three and eight against top 10 teams under Brian Kelly and two and six when both teams are ranked in the top 10. What are the wins? Oklahoma and Stanford in uh, 2018 because Stanford was technically. Hey, that was at home. It was at home. (laughs) I think that's one of the only times in the Brian Kelly era that a top 10 team has played at Notre Dame Stadium. It is the only time. It is the only time. And that was an awesome night, even though that Stanford team ended up unranked. But yeah, there really was a great night. And I think, you know, some of it is overblown. Notre Dame not playing well in big games because. They've come really close in a few of those as well. I mean, obviously the national championship was over after like the first quarter. Second play. Yeah, (laughs) the second play after they hit that corner. And then the semifinal game was over at halftime. But in the 2014 game against Florida State, it was very similar circumstances to this game, except on the road against the Florida State team that had not lost in over 20 games. Notre Dame should have won that. I stand by that today. That offensive pass interference call was ridiculous. The defender engaged. Will Fuller and C.J. Process, but whatever. We're not going to discuss that. And then last year against Georgia, Notre Dame was 16.5-point dogs, and then Notre Dame had the ball in the last possession with a chance to win and had a great game plan. So the idea that Notre Dame just comes out flat in all these games I think is definitely overblown. But they definitely haven't gotten over that hump yet. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, if not now, when? It's really hard to argue with that. I completely agree. Um, I mean, it's turned into me or turned to me at one of those games where it's a Florida State 2014 type game, like you just mentioned, where I think we have a hell of a shot going into this and we really should win the game as opposed to Georgia last year, where a lot of people thought we were just going to get blown off the field. And, you know, we don't believe in moral victories, but it's kind of a victory to hang in there and have a shot to win it. This is a game I fully expect us to win. Yeah, I fully expect us to win. I'm saying it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll get into exact score predictions later. But for now, this is probably, you know, Notre Dame's best chance against Clemson because they're vulnerable. Uh, They looked vulnerable against Boston College, obviously, without Trevor Lawrence. I don't think the drop-off between Trevor Lawrence and DJ is as drastic as what's going on in the defensive side of the ball. So let's get into that. Clemson um, is dealing with three injuries. Linebacker James Skalski's out. Mike Jones Jr., linebacker out. And then defensive tackle Tyler Davis is out. And then their other defensive tackle, Xavier Thomas, he will miss the first half because he had a tarting call in the second half against Boston College last week. I think the impact of these three injuries has way more of an effect on Notre Dame than Trevor Lawrence. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good point. You think back on that national title game last year. Skalski is really to the heart and soul of that defense. He gets everybody lined up out there, and he got tossed from the natty last year for targeting, and that's when the whole game changed. Now, um, the Irish don't have Joe Burrow throwing to Justin Jefferson and all those guys out there, and you know that's a lot of the reason, or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but him not being there is is certainly significant, um, and we'll see what we can do with that. Like, what was he second on the team in tackles behind Isaiah Simmons last year? He's a yep. hell of a player. Yeah, he's incredible, and I think the best way to describe him as I've been reading about him is he's basically imagine Joe Schmidt with NFL type talent because he's yeah, a, they they always just seem to have. I mean, doesn't he's got like some like barbed wire tats? Am I making this up? Yeah, I yeah. Think yeah. He does. No, he does. He, they just always have one of these guys like that freak Ben Bulware from the Hurricane game. I hate that guy. Despise him. And they got to wear they, the they neck. They seem to find these guys. <laughs> yep, yep. The cowboy collar. Yeah, yeah. The neck brace. I kind of love that though. I love that that look. It's very old school. But you're right. They've got like just a white dude with a bunch of weird tats. Just he's a psycho. Yeah, psycho. So Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator for Clemson, he's been the coordinator there for the past nine seasons and he's known for just throwing all kinds of exotic blitz packages, disguising the defense well, and Skalski is a big part of getting other guys where they're supposed to be lined up because their whole thing is sort of disguising what they do. They're so athletic that they can line up guys pretty much anywhere on the field and still get to the spot where they need to be in a way that pretty much you know, no other teams in the country can because they just don't have the talent on defense to do so, but Clemson does. And Skowski is a big part of that, not only in his production, but in the way that he sort of gets everyone else where they need to be. We saw in 2014, once Joe Schmidt went down, everyone on the defense was clueless. Now, obviously, part of that is due to Brian Van Gorder and his complete ineptitude, but still, like, it matters to have that sort of leader on the field to get everyone where they need to be. Venables is no Brian Van Gorder. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I think that alone right there is going to have a huge impact on the Clemson defense. Also, with Mike Jones and Tyler Davis being out, those three are the top three in sacks. So that's pretty huge, especially going against Notre Dame's offensive line. However, it is Clemson. So, you know, when one guy goes out, they just put in another five-star. In this game, replacing those three starters is the number three, the number 12, and the number 14 overall recruits, in yeah. according to 24-7 Sports, in this most recent recruiting class. To put that into perspective, I think Kyle Hamilton was what like ranked in the like fiftieth overall in his class the year before. Maybe, yeah, and yeah, Hamilton is like a once in a generation defender for us, and they have three guys ready to go as backups. Yeah. So I mean, that's what Notre Dame is dealing with. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've seen that kid Brian Bruzzi that they got at D tackle. Uh, yeah. He's very akin to Michael Mayer in my mind in that how on earth were these guys playing against high school kids last year because they <laughs> both look like they're about 30 years old. Um, yeah, I mean, they have talent all over the place. You mentioned Brent Venables being a genius. Um, you know, obviously the Skalski absence is big and he was directing them all out there. But uh, let me just say, the only thing that Brent Venables and Brian Van Gorder have in common is that their first names start with B and their last names start with V. Uh, that's where the comparisons end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Was it okay? It was more comparing Skalski. <laughs> I know. And Schmidt, I, I, I yeah. just I won't miss on a shot, <laughs> an opportunity to take a shot at BVG. So I don't blame you. So Brian Kelly said in his press conference today, "We're going to run the ball, and they're going to try to stop the run." So let's look at that matchup there. Clemson is allowed. Only 293.5 yards per game and 4.6 yards per play against FBS opponents. Clemson is ranked 15th in the country 
in that respect. But Clemson has not played a single top 40 rush offense in just one top 50 rushing team. So those statistics are a little bit skewed in the same way that Notre Dame's stats are probably skewed as well because I think their Notre Dame's combined opponent's record is 9-22, and right? Something horrible like that. It's gross. <laughs> it's not gross. our fault. Yeah. And, you know, Notre Dame's going to really try to ground and pound. And I think that this is really important to think about, especially in terms of Notre Dame's recent failures in big games. In their past four games against top 10 opponents, they're only averaging 74.5 rush yards per game. And that's pretty terrible. Like in Georgia last year, they had 46 rushing yards. A year before that against Clemson in the semifinals, 88. And Georgia the year before was 55. So if Notre Dame is going to be competitive in this game, they have to to run the ball, especially on first and second down, to avoid a third and long situation where you just let the Clemson D-line pin their ears back and attack Book in all kinds of different ways. So running the ball is obviously going to be the biggest thing in this game. How do you think it's going to go? I feel really confident in this offensive line's ability to to win this matchup. I mean, we remember that game two years ago and just how absolutely loaded that Clemson defensive line was with, what, four draft picks, including some of the backups um, that just filled in seamlessly. For Dexter Lawrence, not the same. A um, lot younger defensive line on, on Clemson's side. And listen, this offensive line has owned. They want to be the best offensive line in the country, and this is a terrific opportunity for them to do that. Um do I think Alabama's offensive line might be better? Maybe. But if Notre Dame goes out and just punishes and is able to be efficient running the football, then I see no reason why they can't claim they're the best offensive line in the country. And and quite frankly, it's different from years past with a Josh Adams or a Dexter Williams or a, you know some of those other backs we've had who couldn't make guys miss at the second and third level. Uh, Tyree and, and Kyron have both showed that they can do that, and Sebo Flemisher is just a straight line back who can kind of just nail guys. I really like the stable we have. I love the line we have. I think we're going to be able to do it. Well, I hope you're right. And, you know, the running game isn't going to be everything. Ian Book is going to have to step mm-hmm. up and have a huge game, and personally I think he will. Like, a lot's been made. You know, he's only completed six passes, thrown 20 yards or more downfield. He's going to have to do more than that against Clemson, obviously. But we've kind of become like the Ian Book defenders in the same way that we have with, yeah, okay, apologies. But last year against Georgia, Ian Book kept Notre Dame in that game. Like, in that Georgia defense, finished first in the entire country in scoring defense, allowing just 12.6 points per game. Ian against Georgia went 29. Yeah, well, and Chase Claypool. Different situation, but he went 29 of 47. 47 attempts is ridiculous. 275 yards and then two touchdowns. His two picks, I would say only one was his fault. That one hit Fink, and then even the other one was an unbelievable play by the defender. Yes, he had better guys to throw to, but I expect Ian to step up in a big way um, and perform well in this game. But the most important, at least in my mind, the most important thing when Notre Dame has the ball is converting on third down and scoring in the red zone. They've struggled in the red zone this year, and that cannot happen. They have scored on 25 out of 33 attempts in the red zone. That 75% ranks 78th in the country, and they've only scored touchdown on 19 of those 33 attempts, ranks 74th. I also think that, like I was saying, third down is going to be extremely, extremely important. Last year, Notre Dame converted 24 out of 52 chances on third and three or less. Jarrett Patterson said this week that when Tommy Reese, like one of their first meetings when he became the coordinator, he said, we have to go 100% on third and short. 
And so far this year... They've been pretty close. Yeah, they've been awesome. 23 out of 27 so far. And a lot of that is going to have to do with what they do on first and second down and trying to establish Mm -hmm. the run. So they put themselves in comfortable positions. And then from there, you know, that's going to determine the game, at least when Notre Dame has the ball on offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit on it there. Um, I think play action is going to be huge as well with Michael Mayer and and Tommy Trumbull. Um, And that goes hand in hand with that run game. But I mean... We know what's gotten us to this point. We know what our bread and butter is. And listen, if you think you're an elite team, I don't think there's any reason to, to try to change who you are. Just go out there, play smash mouth football, and, and hit Clemson in the mouth. All right, so tell me what's going to happen when Clemson has the ball. So before I go into specifics, I, I kind of want to take a step back and reflect on that Cotton Bowl two years ago, um, specifically the second quarter. You know, we went into that 3-3. Three to three. I, I'm an idiot. I, I literally thought after the first quarter we are going to win that game. Um, the couple calls didn't go our way. Yeah, the, remember the punt? The, the fumble, fumble out of bounds. Brutal. Yes. I, that wasn't out of bounds, but that's whatever. But second quarter, end of the game when Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross was just an unstoppable combination. And, I hell, it was that night. We were at that bar. I know you were there and some of our other friends. It was that bar backyard where Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams were, and we were talking about playing Clemson two years from then already because we're just sick. And we realized that, shit, not only is Lawrence a freshman, so is Justin Ross, right? And so we're sitting there thinking, like, how the hell are we going to beat these guys in two years? Because not one player on that defense for us is still in school, right? And those guys were freshmen, and and I'm just thinking they're going to torch us. Now Justin Ross has missed all season with a rare spinal injury. does seem like he's recovering because I actually almost shit my pants last week when I read he was practicing for the first time all season in full pads. Um, wow, however, I didn't know yeah. that. That's good for him, though, because there was yeah. some talk that he— Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Um, thought he might not play football. Right. Um, sounds like he's come a long way and um, might be back either at Clemson next year or in the NFL. He's got, like, a checkup uh, in December. But, yeah, he was practicing last week. That scared me. However— you know, obviously Lawrence is out with COVID. This offense is still completely loaded. And it all starts around Travis Etienne, who who honestly might be the best player in college football. I know people talk about his teammate. People talk about Justin Fields. But I can't believe this guy is even in college still. I know I was infuriated when he decided to come back. Um, yeah, what the hell was that, Travis? Like, just go to the NFL. He said he was going to be a second-round projection. Just go. Right. Why but, would you have to come back and spoil our season? But he didn't. Um, and, and Notre Dame fans know well what he can do out of the backfield. Um, I think he had about a buck ten in that Cotton Bowl game. But granted, 62 of those came on a, on a long touchdown run in the third quarter. We didn't do a horrible job containing him, but unfortunately that run still counts. Um, and he's just a beast through contact. But what's really scary are his receiving contributions on the year. All right. So last season, 37 catches for 432 yards. This season, already at 29 catches for 434 yards. Um, our inside linebackers going to have by far the biggest challenge they've faced this season. To put those 434 yards you know, on 29 catches into perspective, um, think back on the last number one team to come to Notre Dame Stadium. You know, Obviously, I'm talking about Reggie Bush here. Um, I think people think of him as a generational player, a once-in-a-generation player. Obviously, the game's changed somewhat in the last 15 years, but in that season, he had 478 uh, catches and, or sorry, yards, not catches, <laughs> in 13 games. Um, so, you know, he's pretty much already at that mark. Essentially, the guy leads the country in total yards from scrimmage, 
and it's giving Clemson's passing game a boost. After they lost their two best receivers, you know, last season with the aforementioned Ross as well as T. Higgins. So, first off, how the hell are we going to stop this guy? What do you think? <laughs> how we're going to stop him? Contain him. Let me answer that question with a question. If Travis Etienne came to Notre Dame and he was only allowed to play receiver, would he be the best receiver on the team right now? Yeah, he's a top 40 <laughs> receiver in the country. He's the only running back in that stat. Yeah, he's an incredible talent. At the uh, Fiesta Bowl last year, he scored that game-winning touchdown like right in front of me. And that whole drive, he just carved up Ohio State's defense. I think Clemson scored in three plays. Mm-hmm. The first one they threw kind of like a, a like a check down that picked up some yards. Next two were all Etienne. Yeah. And I mean, Ohio State, they had four, I think four guys in their defense drafted last year. And Etienne just carved him right up. So in terms of how you stop him, I don't I literally don't think it's possible. I think, you know, you can just try to do what Boston College did last week and well they nah, failed. They but miserable. they tried to contain him. Boston College did stuff him like when they ran the ball. Yeah. Um they stuffed him eight I think it was eight to ten times where he only gained like two yards or less. But Notre Dame has <laughs> to increase that number. But he also torched them as 140 yards. Yeah, <laughs> through the air. Um, and and the thing is, like they line him up all over the field, right? So they'll throw him in the slot. They might put him out wide sometimes. And you know when he's inside, what Notre Dame cannot do, they can't have Drew White or Bo Bauer line up across him in man. Um, listen, I love you guys. You can't cover ETN. It has to be JOK or a safety like Kyle Hamilton if he's inside. I would be pretty surprised if they if they did a lot of man, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be exotic zone defenses and bringing blitzes yes. from places elsewhere. I, I concur with that. Um, you know, we'd also be remiss not to mention Amari Rogers. Guy's been fantastic in the slot all season long. Missed last season with an ACL injury. Um, you know, further Clemson does have two receivers coming back this week with in Frank Ladson and, and Joe Nagata who missed time with injury. Um we've talked about this freshman DJ ukulele. It's taken me this long in this preview to get to him. Um, but I, that, I mean, no disrespect. The kid is going to be a phenom. Uh, he is a phenom. He's going to be a superstar. Um, and, and I think you're right. They got to throw some exotic looks at him. Um, nothing gimmicky. You know, I think Notre Dame's defense is too damn good to do that, but I think you need to hit him in the mouth early. Um, and when you look at our defense, something that I could see us doing, which we did do a little bit, in that Cotton Bowl, and, and you might find this hard to believe because of the final score. We had some success with this. I think we might utilize a bare front, you know, where all three of the interior offensive linemen are covered. Um, we did that with Tillery, Aquara, and Kareem lined up as three techniques, you know, outside shade of the guard. Can we do the same with the combination of Hayes or Foskey, you know, with Myron and Ade Ugandeji? I think we might. Um, Washing film back on that game. Early in that game, we were able to get some pressure on Lawrence, force him to get the ball out quick and, and have some errant throws. Can you do that to this freshman here in his first road start, utilizing that bare front? I think the opportunity is there. Um, and as we know, uh, we have studs in JOK and, and Hamilton, and we had this surging fifth-year senior, Dalen Hayes. I, I just have a couple of questions, and I don't think we have answers for them. Um First, how do we limit touches for ETN? Because, you know, he's going to get the ball as much as possible. But I'd also like to see Isaiah Foskey get on the field more. Um, the guy looks like Stephon Tuitt Jr. Every time he's out there, he's making plays. He just needs more snaps. And Brian Kelly has said that. 
How do we make that happen? I don't know, um, but I trust that Clark Lee, you know, ha- has come up with something to, to do that. Well, on that note, I'm curious how much Clark Lee is going to rotate because all season long, Notre Dame rotates personnel on defense a mm-hmm. lot, which is, you know, encouraging because it means that there's a lot of depth in the defensive end. But in the game against Clemson, you know, you're obviously going to tighten up your sub packages a little bit. Who is going to be on the field the most? I mean, Drew White and Bo Bauer basically splitting snaps at the Mike linebacker in the middle. That did not happen last year at all. So I really don't know what Clark Lee is going to do. Maybe he continues to rotate in the same way that he's done, or he just keeps the most talented players in the field as much as possible and sort of rides them out. But I think you're right. I think with Foskey, Hayes emerging a little bit, the defense has shown a lot of athleticism and a way to get after DJ Uyunglele in a way that maybe they weren't able to do early on in the season. Right. And, you know, I think ultimately it comes down to a chess match, you know, between Tony Elliott and and Clark Lee. Um, Tony Elliott's been at Clemson for nine years, the last six with offensive coordinator responsibilities. Just a guy that could probably be a power five coach anywhere, but just, you know, hasn't really looked for jobs. He he played for Dabo Sweeney um, as when Dabo was still a position coach. And he's been at Clemson forever. Um, He shared those offensive coordinator responsibilities until this season with Jeff Scott, who you might remember from the Irish's uh, 52 to nothing bashing of South Florida. I don't know if he could possibly give anything to his old buddy after that, pull anything, but rest assured, guy's one of the best offensive minds in football. That's true. So we've pretty much broken down both sides of the ball. I think it's time for a score prediction. I, I agree. I think it is time for a score prediction. Do you want to go first? Actually, I want you to go first. <laughs> um, I'm pretty confident in this game, if you can't tell. I can tell. Um, I, I think it's our game to lose. I might be the only person in the friggin' universe with this margin score. I think Notre Dame wins the game 26-14. to 14. Uh, First, it's really hard to score two times on Clark Lee's defense. I think Clemson's good enough to do it, obviously, but... Listen, with Clemson being what it is, I, I sound like a moron for saying that they're not ready for this moment because they played in games much bigger than this. However, I think this is just kind of one of those magical spots for Notre Dame to get Clemson off its game. You know, missing multiple key guys. You finally get one of these games at home, and you just have a really super confident and mature group. It, it's now or never. It's put up or shut up time for this Notre Dame team. You got to win the damn game. I think they come out super focused and control the, the tempo, and I think we win this game 26-14. to 14. Okay, that's that's a lot. 12, point, 12 points and then holding Clemson to 14. That would be incredible. I, I hope you're right. Listen, yeah. I hope you're right. I mean, in terms of game control, I think the run game, coupled with that play action and Mayer and Tremble, is going to be enough to sustain those long drives, and you can keep Clemson off the field. But here's another thing, right? We know DJ's a stud, you know. However, our defense isn't Boston College either, all right? What, we're, you know, in the top 10 in pretty much every significant category, whether that be yards per play, pass efficiency, yards per game, and in scoring and third down conversion percentage. Boston College let up 40 points to Vautech and 30 to Pitt. I, I don't want to say this moment gets too big for him, um, but coming to Notre Dame Stadium, pandemic or not, is no early easy task, right? And I just think our defense is too advanced for him. At this stage, and, you know, he's missing. He doesn't have a home run hitter out wide. Um, he's got Amari Rodgers and ETN. But I just, man, I feel really confident. And 
when you talk to me next Tuesday and I'm all depressed, then feel free to rub it in. But, man, I feel really confident about this one. Yeah, your confidence, it, it scares me for a little bit. So when I was thinking about this, for a brief moment, I was like, Notre Dame's got to be due to win one of these games, right? Like, eventually, it's going to happen. And then I stopped myself because I remembered I also root for the Indians and the Browns. And the Indians haven't won a World Series. It's probably never going to happen in the Browns. Yeah, it, it's sorry. actually yeah. statistically harder to be that consistently bad than to mm-hmm. accidentally be good for a year. And why does that relate to Notre Dame? It's because there's no guarantee that it's just going to happen. You know, They're not due. But I do think that they will win this game because I think that on Saturday night, they are going to be the better team. I think Notre Dame is going to be able to run the ball effectively. Now, don't be surprised early on, Clemson will stuff a lot of runs. I, I could see at the beginning, maybe Clemson's forcing a couple three and outs. We try to force it on first and second down. We try to get the inside zone, and Clemson's got the guys in the middle to stop it. It's a long game, and I think if they just keep going and that offensive line just keeps beating them, eventually they're going to get their push, and I think that's what's going to break it. Also, I expect Reese to get real creative. I think he's been saving some plays for this game for weeks. We didn't really show a lot against George Tech. I think we're going to incorporate some new schemes, some new packages, some new plays that Clemson has not seen before on tape, and that could throw off the backups who are replacing the injured starters. I also think Ian's going to show up in a big way. I already talked about it earlier. He showed up last year against Georgia. This is his third year. It's his moment. I expect him to deliver. It won't be perfect. It never is. But I think this might be the greatest moment in the Ian Book experience. And finally, I think Notre Dame's defense will limit big plays. They'll make Clemson work for a lot of the yards. To me, I think you basically spot Clemson three touchdowns when you play them. Like, they're going to get in the end zone three times. They're too talented. But I think beyond that, Notre Dame will be able to control the game a little bit. And uh, I think they win 27-24. to I mean, we're on page about one thing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a little overzealous with this particular prediction but I just truly don't see a way we lose this game and and more (laughs) importantly right I'm so sick of letting these chances go by the wayside you finally get one at home you got a freshman coming in first career road start hit him in the mouth (laughs) take advantage of these absences on defense you know just just win the damn game right that's all I'm asking for win the damn game it reminds me a lot of that 2015 hurricane game where the inverse was true when Clemsoning was still a thing. And Clemson came out and hit us right in the mouth, beat us 14 to nothing. We had a freshman starting for us on the road, first career start. And we fought back and made that a game. But that was a game for Clemson that was a program-defining win. Um, Dabo comes out and just starts yelling about bringing your own guts like – Clemson doesn't get to where they are today without that win six years ago. And it's outrageous for me to say that we can take a similar step and and build that sort of stability and excellence that they have. But it can be a defining win for this season. Um, And then until you got to play them in Charlotte with Trevor, which is just going to be a great test. But you got to win this damn game. I mean, that's all it is to it. You got to win it. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame is sort of like – scratching the ceiling a little bit of what this program could be, but they need to burst through that. And there's a golden opportunity this Saturday to finally establish themselves among those top five teams in the country that for years, you know, um, Notre Dame has strived to be and unable to get to. So look, that about uh, wraps things up for this. You got any final thoughts? Nope. Get it done, Irish. That's all I got. All right. Cue the music tomorrow night. 
7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Number one, Clemson versus number four, Notre Dame. In a program-defining game for the Irish, if you're listening to this and you're fortunate enough to be in the crowd tomorrow, just be loud as hell. There's going to be 10,000, so you have to be loud enough for about seven or eight people <laughs> to get it going. So you guys have read about it. You've heard us talking about it for weeks now. So we'll let you hear about it from somebody else as we sign off. Go Irish. What's up, Irish fans? Mike Gould Jr. here. Let me tell you how Notre Dame's going to win it this weekend against Clemson. Early turnovers and being big on offense. This Notre Dame defense is fast and lethal. Jeremiah Usukoromoa, Kyle Hamilton, the speed to match Travis Etienne, and as we've seen in the last couple of games, the ability to be disruptive and force turnovers is going to be big to give this offense for Notre Dame a few extra chances. Ian Book, cut it loose to your big bodies in the middle. Michael Mayer and Tommy Tremble in that tight end room. Ben Skoranek, who came up big against Pitt. Lean on that offensive line. Know they're going to get the job done protecting you. Let's ride this thing out to like a 24-21 win. What's up, Irish fans? It's Chris Fink on Sons of Saturday. I'm very excited for this weekend's game against Clemson. I feel very good about it. Never not been optimistic heading into another football game. And usually, my feelings have been right. Feel good going into this one. We got Tommy Reese dialing the plays up. Ian's going to be executing them, slinging the ball around, handing the ball off, whatever it takes. Big boys moving people up front. We got the defense looking good. Front seven looking awesome. My boy Sean Crawford, the Golden Mongoose, six-year senior, leading the boys out there. Hard not to feel good about it. Another reason I feel pretty good about it, we got Clemson coming to South Bend in November. And I know the forecast calls for a very nice day, but I think that's in our favor because Clemson has spent all their time leading up to this game, mentally preparing themselves for a cold game in South Bend in November. Now they're not going to get it, and they wasted all that mental preparation on something that's not even going to happen. So a little spin zone for you there. So uh, enjoy the game. I know I will. Go Irish. What the fuck is up, Bending Nation? Sam Bush coming at you live here. Class of 2018, former Wapoo Nation president, walk-on players union, represent, giving you the three reasons why we're going to beat Clemson this week. Number one, defense. Coming off a great performance, especially in that second half by our D-boys, led by number nine and our captain, Dalen Hayes, there on the defensive end. I'm excited to watch them build on that momentum and that juice that they had going last Saturday, bring it to the field, dominate the line of scrimmage, and absolutely roll come Saturday. Number two, offensive line play. I've only got five names for you. Liam Eikenberg, Aaron Banks, Jarrett Patterson, Tommy Kramer, and Robert Hainsey. Those guys have been paving the way all year for Kyron Williams in that stacked backfield that we have. It's going to be no different come Saturday. We're going to dominate the line of scrimmage, establish ourselves, and make Clemson defensive line feel our presence. We're going to roll, baby. Number three, don't forget it. We are God's favorite football team. I'm telling you right now, our boys won't forget it. And Clemson sure as shit won't forget it when they leave that field on Saturday. So remember, Irish wear green, whether you're watching at home or you're going to be in the stadium, throw on that green gear that you got, cheer on our boys, and go Irish, beat Clemson, baby.